0: You're listening to the Beyond the States podcast with Jen Vemont. Did you know that you can go to Europe and get your entire degree taught in English for less than one year of tuition at many American schools? Jen will take you on a deep dive into the many benefits and options around English taught higher education in Europe, helping to make the possibility less foreign.
1: Hi, I'm Jen Vemont. Thanks so much for joining me today. As many of you know, I'm really passionate about letting students and parents know all about the college options in Europe. The problems with the U.S. system and the benefits of college in Europe are so clear to me that I don't understand why everybody isn't considering it. I don't know how many of you listen to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, Revisionist History, but I highly recommend it. The first season in particular had a number of episodes that really resonated with me around the mindset that's needed when you're thinking outside of the box. There was one episode that talked about how some people have a harder time making decisions that are outside of group norms than others, even when the benefits of these decisions are really clear. The term around this is threshold. If you have a high threshold, you're not likely to make a decision that's outside of group norms, no matter what the, the benefits may be. If you have a low threshold you're comfortable making decisions based on reasoning or instinct as opposed to what the crowd is doing. And if you have a threshold somewhere in the middle, you may not need group approval, but you do wanna explore more data before making decisions based on unconventional ideas. We know that students who want to study in Europe likely have a middle to low threshold. These kids are comfortable making decisions that are unconventional. They want to experience new and different things and different ways of life. Uh, But as a parent of a student considering college in Europe, it's equally, if not more important, to have a threshold of middle to low. People are going to be asking you about this decision you're making. So today we're gonna talk to a parent who actively helped her daughter pursue the less conventional option of college in Europe. Laura's raised her family in Deep River, Connecticut. It's a small town about 45 minutes from New Haven. Her daughter, Liza, is currently in the middle of her first year at Anglo-American University in Prague. Before we get started talking with Laura, I do want to tell you a little bit more about this school. Private schools only started in the Czech Republic after the end of the Cold War. So the school was founded in 1990, which seems like fairly recently, but it's actually the oldest private higher education institute in the Czech Republic. When I visit schools in Europe, I tend to avoid those that have American in their name. What I found is that many of these schools use whatever association they have with the US, be it an accreditation or a partner school, uh, to charge American-sized tuitions. Uh, Anglo-American University does have an American accreditation. It's the WASC accreditation, which also accredits schools like Stanford. But it also has a really great educational philosophy and affordable tuition at right around $7,000 per year. Keep in mind that since it only takes three years to get a bachelor's, that's the equivalent of a four-year tuition of right around $5,200, which is fairly unheard of. I visited AAU last winter, and I thought really highly of it. All of their bachelor's degree programs are conducted in English, which leads to a really diverse student body made up of students from all around the world, Class size is maxed out at 25 students, most of them are around 18 students, and they stress interactive group work and class discussions. Though it's a small school, they offer over 200 courses each semester. And the facilities are absolutely incredible. It's housed in a renovated historic building near the Prague Castle. I mean, I can't even describe how beautiful it is, so we will make sure to put uh, the link to the pictures in our show notes. In addition, Prague is one of the most beautiful and livable cities I've visited in Europe, and is actually the sixth safest country in the world, while the U.S. is at 103 out of 162 countries. Now that you know a little bit about where Liza's studying, let's talk to Laura to learn more about the journey that led them to AAU and how the experience has been thus far. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Thank me. So can you tell us a little bit about what led you to seek um, colleges outside of the U.S. for Liza?
0: Well, we had started off looking at Colleges That Change Lives, the book that was put out. Excellent book. Yeah, very good. We loved it. Uh, Liza was seeking a smaller college atmosphere. Um, So we looked at a few colleges through there and things were, some were good, some were not so good. She wasn't wowed by any of them. And I had heard a story on NPR about colleges in Germany that offer free tuition, all of Germany's free tuition. Uh, So we started looking at that since she had some international experience. And we couldn't quite come up with the college in Germany either. And then somehow I stumbled on your website and it was like hitting the mother load. We saw all these opportunities, all these different universities offering English programs that weren't necessarily free, but were extremely affordable. So we started looking into that and realized she had way more choices than what we thought she had.
1: It's it's interesting because so many people come to us thinking that they're dead set on Germany because they have heard about the free tuition. And they do have some really amazing options, but also some pretty rigid entrance uh, requirements, including, I think the ACT minimum is 29 and the SAT is 1360. So, And there's no wiggle room on that. Right. Um, also, it's only the public universities that are free, and at least one region, uh, which is where I, I think she was looking at Freiburg, right? University of Freiburg and
0: Cleve Wall.
1: And Freiburg is in the region that now has um, tuition fees. I mean, they're reasonable, but yes. what I often tell people is that uh, Germany is not the only place to look if you want a very, very reasonable. Uh, option that there are hundreds of options under five thousand dollars a year which is unheard of here exactly exactly so I was recently at a social event and I met a woman who was telling me about her daughter and how her daughter really wants to get a master's degree and can't afford it so Someone didn't know what I did for a living. But, you know, the cost of education in the U.S. is such an issue that it comes up in casual conversation. So I mentioned to her that there are some great universities in Europe that are affordable and sometimes even free. And her response was, oh, I couldn't let her go that far. And this is about uh, her daughter who's in her mid-20s. I'm guessing that you get similar questions. People asking you, how could you possibly let her live so far away? How do you respond to that?
0: Well, you know... My first instinct was you're letting your child go anywhere out of the home. They're, they're gone. They're, they're breaking the strings. They're moving on. And with technology today, I mean, she's texting me two or three times a week. It's as if she's down the road or the next state over or, you know, she seems very close. Um, the distance is much smaller these days with technology. Reality is, yes, she's still, you know, a continent away, an eight-hour plane ride away. But it doesn't seem, the distance doesn't seem as far when I can just jump on my phone and text her and say, what are you up to now? How's your day going? And she responds to me right away.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, eight hours to Prague... What is it to, and you guys are in the New York area, the greater New York area. What yeah. is it to, it's like six hours to San Diego. I
0: mean, it's... California would be almost equal distance.
1: Absolutely. And people wouldn't bat an eye if you said you were sending your your kid to California, but the different continents sort of... Uh, gets
0: in the way. And I think what gets people is that she's in a different culture. She's in a different language. Just the other day, someone said to me, oh, is she studying to be a translator? <laughs> no, no, no. She's, she's taken a journalism major and everything's taught in English. And then once they hear that, they're like, oh, oh, well, that's different. Right. So it seems a little more, you know, accessible to them.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's so interesting to me how this idea, how how many people don't know about these options and how it's been kind of kept from us um, for a long time. These aren't new. And people all around the world have been going to these schools and going to these programs. And now we're just we're just catching on now.
0: And many schools, the guidance counselors don't even know. I know Liza, when she went through, her guidance counselor had no idea. You know, he was like, oh, well, I'll have to look into that. And, was, you know, so we realized we were further ahead than they were, and they could not offer much help.
1: Absolutely. As I mentioned, I'm I'm in the process of writing a book, a guidebook, and, and AAU is one of the schools that, that I'm going to be writing about. And I was on the website today looking at the social life opportunities, and there was definitely no lack of parties. <laughs> there were quite a number of parties. And one thing they had that I thought was really cool is a monthly... Pub night with the professors. Yes. Has yes. has Liza
0: gone to those? Um, I'm not sure if she has yet. But yeah, I've seen those as well. And it's it's I mean, they they they're very social. There's right a lot going on. The students are getting together. There's um great opportunities for students from different universities to meet each other through she was telling me of a, a coffee shop that is open twenty-four hours and it's geared towards students. Nice. So she goes there, she cracks open her laptop, and next to her is somebody from univers- uh, Charles University, and there's somebody else from another university. And so they're they're meeting students all over the city. Um, it's very student-oriented type of city. And I would imagine it's like that with many of those schools in Europe as well.
1: Absolutely. Some of the, um, I think it's Denmark, and they have student or who's it. So it's not, you know, so... Many cities have these informal coffee houses that are for students. And then there are some cities and countries that have these coffee houses, these bars or whatever that are specifically for students in a formal way. So it's, it's a different student life. It's a different social life. But it can be more kind of what you want to make it. No, it won't be a sorority, but, you know, there are clubs. There are social clubs. Um, one thing that I think is, is really important that people know is how – the qualities that are needed to be successful. And actually our next episode is going to be about independence. And, and I know from our discussions and from what I know about Liza, she definitely has that trait. What is it you've done in your household when she was growing up to cultivate that?
0: Um, they were given, my, both my kids were given a lot of freedom to explore, whether it be out their back door or free time to play the way they wanted to play. Um, they definitely had structured time as well. Um, And then as we were growing up, it was important for me to have them travel. And we started locally and then within the States. And then when they were both what I thought was old enough to appreciate the travel, we went to Puerto Rico. And then from there, we went to Greece and we went to, you know, Germany to check out the schools for Liza. And Liza on her own, as well as my son, have both done trips with their church um, every year. And I think it was important for them to go and do their own thing without the parents. Right. Um, be away from home, whether it's with summer camp or, or these trips, um, to have that freedom of not having mom and dad over their shoulder all the time. So we we cultivated that kind of thinking growing up. And Liza took to it. You know, she came to me after her sophomore year and said, I want to do a study abroad program this summer. And I researched all these. And these are the ones I want and help me decide which one I want to do. I will raise money for it. And she did that. So she was very driven to try new opportunities. Um,
1: Where did she study abroad?
0: She, it was a two-month program with projects abroad. She went to Tanzania. Wow. Helping an orphanage. And that's when she met students, a lot of students from England and Scandinavia and uh, um, a couple other countries. I can't remember now. So that's, you know, she stayed in touch with those kids and have visited them. So it it, kind of started and snowballed from there that, yes, she wants to be part of that global community.
1: You know, and it's interesting, you and I are similar in that we don't live in urban, our, our kids aren't being raised in an urban area. I was raised in an urban area, and my upbringing is very different than my kids, and my opportunities for independence are a lot different than my kids. So I love that when you guys went to Freiburg, you let her you know, walk around and explore and explore the coffee shops on her own. And to some of our listeners who are in urban areas, they might think that's no big deal. But when your kids haven't had that experience, sort of on a day to day life, gaining that experience, I, I allowed Sam to do that as well when we visited um, college. We went when we visited Leiden. Um, he would meet me after meetings and just walk there on his own, and so he gained independence, not only just doing it himself, but you know, using the map quest or map app to get there and and getting around
0: and then realizing it's not so difficult to move around the city and it's not so foreign or scary and almost everywhere you go in Europe, somebody knows English, right? But you start to develop an ear for the language where you are. And you might try a couple of words in that language. And as you, as you do more and more, you gain that confidence well we would say she would come back and she'd be like, oh, I love it here. I can do this. I could live here.
1: Right. And you really hit the nail on the head with confidence. I think one reason we want our kids to gain this independence is so that they have the confidence that they need to succeed in anything that they do, be it, you know, walking to a coffee shop or getting a job later in life. Um, yeah, it's it's really cool. So, um, what opportunities do you see Either presently or in the future for Liza, that she wouldn't have otherwise had.
0: Uh, I think the big one is just having a global awareness, yeah. um, being part of a global community. Um, in Europe, you, you're, you know, you're thrown up against so many different cultures and languages, where you know you're two hours from another country, right. another language, another culture. So having that and realizing that. The world doesn't revolve around America and what America does. Um, kind of broadens your mind a little bit and makes you more flexible. Um, also having those connections with students who are all over the world. She's going to school with students from you know, dozens of different countries who she's developing friendships and relationships with that will last her a lifetime. Not to mention the investors who are from all over the world. And she's comfortable wherever she is. So I, I think the opportunities just expand by going to school in Europe.
1: So many times I hear people say, but what about getting a job? How will they get a job after college? And not only do I cite the research that states that this actual experience makes them more employable, you know, even here in the States, I mean, there are, there are studies done about that, but also this is introducing them to international recruiting and international companies that may have jobs around the world that they can apply for.
0: Exactly. And that because they, just being over there, she's picking up Czech. I mean, right. I'm there's not a huge market for Czech speakers, yeah. but there's a huge market for people who pick up languages quickly, who Absolutely. are comfortable around different languages.
1: And, Absolutely.
0: You know, using her French a lot more than she would be if she was going to school in the States. So... Uh, I think languages is key, and um, having that exposure to the different languages in Europe is it's very profitable for her.
1: And not only the languages, but the cultures. One of the soft skills that employers are saying that U.S. graduates are are missing is um, that ability to work in groups with people with different perspectives. Yes. And AAU in particular, you know, they have very. I know you know this, but for our listeners, they have very small class sizes it's very discussion-based and project-based and group-based. So you are developing that skill. If you're in a group with students from all around the world, there are certainly some different perspectives coming to that table that you're working with. Yes. Uh, Employers want that. So
0: it's very good about providing um, information on different perspectives, you know, that I see from their Facebook pages. They're always exploring, you know, the perspective of the European thought process or the Asian thought process or whatever. So that's, that's top on, on their list of providing their students is the global perspective.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, there are so many great things about this. Is there anything you would have done differently through the process?
0: Started it earlier. Why well, it's just a huge procrastinator. So, yes, we would have started as soon as application process opened up. We should have sent it in right then because afterwards, getting accepted is the easy part. Afterwards, it's getting the, the visa and figuring out where you're going to live and figuring out the exchange rate and how you're going to have your bank system set up. I mean, there's just so many little details that you're not thinking about when you're applying to the school. So yeah, I definitely would have started as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. You know, most of these schools in Europe have rolling admissions and it's a lot easier. You're not going to, in terms of the application process, you're not going to have to write an essay on, uh, my neighbor told me that her son had to write an essay on what his favorite word is. You're not going to have to write an essay on what your favorite word is. You might have to write a motivation letter, but that whole process is so much easier that it is easy to think, oh, I'll just wait and I'll get that done later.
0: Yes. And plus, but, since it is rolling a mission, there's no deadline. Right. Um, so she pushed it. to it, Our deadline was you need to get your paperwork in in time so that you can get a, va- a visa. So that was our deadline, and we were right up against it and scrambling for that. Right. So the sooner you can get all of that out of the way, then you can focus on, okay, where am I going to live and what do I need to bring with me and what do I have to shop for when I get there and just getting into the city and the, the school life instead of worrying about your visas and passports and money. And-,
1: and, and not only that part of the process, I often have parents say, oh, that sounds like a great thing, but my son's only a freshman or my, you know, my, so we'll think about it later. The great thing about knowing and exploring this early in the game is that you can plan accordingly. You know, if, if there need to be four AP courses, like some of the Netherlands schools, you can stretch that over the high school career and not have any one year that's, that's really crazy. Or if you know you don't need SATs, don't worry about them. Or if you know you need them, take a prep course. You can really plan by knowing the different um, the different requirements of each country.
0: Yes. And we didn't have that, that advantage because in effect, we started late by the time right. we got up to speed about the schools in Europe. Um, but with my son, yes, we have that opportunity. He's already gone through and decided what classes he needs that will help him. Um, and yeah, and he's a sophomore. So plus right. you can look at more of the opportunities and the different majors and, and, and get a good feel of where you want to go as if you were you know looking for schools in the states.
1: It's really fun too. I mean it almost feels like watching I don't know like House Hunters International you know looking through the different schools and kind of experiencing them through the websites i I often say it's never too early and it's never too late to start the process. even if you're starting you know the spring of your senior year, there's still some options open. even if you're twenty five and you dropped out of college, and now you're wanting to go back. You're fine even if you are 45. And you know what to Something take the, to the it. Italian cultures and wine program that, that I'm personally fascinated with. You <laughs> know, they're, they're, It's never too late or early for anyone. So is there advice that you give parents who are on the fence about whether this is a good idea for their
0: kids? You know, I think you have to go or let your child lead you. You know, if this is something your child is set on and and if they're 100 percent comfortable with it and they're presenting you with, I want to study in Europe, then say, "Okay, you know, maybe you're a little nervous about it. Let's look at schools in America. Let's compare and contrast. And as you go through that process, we did that with Liza. And as we went through the process, the more we looked at schools in the States, the more she leaned towards schools in Europe. And we were able to cross off all the things that she's like, well, I'm going to miss the American experience of going to school. She realized well, that really wasn't a big deal to her. Right. So it's go through the process, do the research, talk to people, and feel comfortable in your own skin about sending your child there. If your child is 100% for it, it's almost hard to say no. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a huge opportunity. And it obviously depends on the child. I wouldn't push a child who's like, "I want to stay in the states." I can't do that. Like you said, it's not for everybody. But um, if if the child is for it, then I mean, yeah, go for it.
1: And if you're on the fence, look at the numbers. Even I mean, yeah. the savings opportunities are huge.
0: Yeah, the savings opportunities are huge, and that's what drove us initially. But now that we're there, that's kind of that that main reason kind of fell to. There's, Secondary there are more important reasons above it.
1: Right, right, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Laura, and telling us about this amazing opportunity you have given to Liza.
0: Well, thank you for talking to me about it.
1: So let's go back to this idea of threshold that we started with. Most of us do fall into the middle area and want more information before making decisions. We often get our beliefs mixed up with facts though. So I encourage you to question your own reservations around college in Europe and collect information to determine whether the facts back up your beliefs. Look at a concern you might have around distance for instance. Are you only comfortable with schools that are within driving distance? If so, why? Is this about your need or is it about a need of your child's? And what message might you be sending your kid even inadvertently by stating that they need to stay that close to home? Maybe your concern is that they'll miss out on the experience, both social and educational, that you had in college. The problem is, though, even if they go to the same school you attended, they're not likely to have a similar experience as you did. The social and educational life in college in the U.S. has changed a whole lot over the past few decades. There are a lot of books noted on our website and our blog with research uh, around these changes I encourage you to look at. Maybe your concern is that this option is going to limit their employment opportunities. But guess what? The research indicates that the opposite is true and that studying in another country actually increases their job opportunities. Maybe the concern is that you don't know anyone else who's doing this. I continue to be amazed at how fast this concept is catching on in the U.S. There are pockets of area in the U.S. that are showing a lot of interest, places like Denver, LA, DC, Chicago, Seattle, the greater New York area, these places all have many Beyond the States members. Other members are spread out throughout the United States and there are only a handful of states without Beyond the States members. I guess what I'm trying to say is that people are doing this even if they're not in your peer group and I think it's on the cusp of becoming a commonly considered alternative. That said, it's not for everyone. Certain personality traits and skills are needed for success. Our next episode will explore the level of independence needed and how to develop this skill. I hope you'll join me then.